Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sport's longest running football show. My name's Jack Donnelly and on today's show we discuss the weekend's action in both the Scottish Premiership and the English Premier League, pull in some of the biggest stories in Europe and take a quick look ahead to the Europa League's final qualifying round with the old firm teams in action. As always, I'm joined by Stuart Garvey alongside Sean McGill and Cameron Monstall. As always, again, we start with this week's big question and this week we're looking at footballing controversies. Over the last weekend in the Premier League, the revision of the handball rules stole a lot of the headlines for the wrong reasons. Uh, Newcastle had a penalty wrongly awarded, Chelsea's equaliser against West Brom shouldn't have counted, and Manchester United just threw the rule book up in the air once again. Uh, the question is, what do we think is the biggest controversy we've ever seen in football? And it's a big it's a big question because it's a corrupt sport, but Stuart, I'm going to ask you this first. I think I'm going to go, have to go with the referee in Ligue 1 who kicked Diego Carlos on the counter-attack and then sent him off instead. <laughs> I've forgotten about that. When was that again? I think it was the season before last. Because I just, I just remember the video doing the rounds on Facebook that he's running back in his own half and the referee just kicks him in the back of the foot and then sends him <laughs> off. Absolutely ridiculous. I'd forgotten about that, you know. That's, See, uh, further, I, think that's, I think that's one of them where you could, like, the longer you think, the more and more things you'd probably like, pull up that would be controversial. I think that, that could be a case of a wee, wee investigation, Struan, as, as we've been learning in uni this week. Could, could get a wee investigation going into the... The, the referee has actually uh, stepped down from football since then. Oh, has he's, he? he's retired. Yeah, he's not a referee anymore. Well, just goes to show he don't mess with Diego Carlos, apparently. Otherwise, your career will be over. Sean, how about you? What What is the most controversial thing you've or you've ever seen in football? Um, the first thing that popped into my head was that... France handball against Ireland in the World yes. Cup 2010 qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that Ireland could have qualified for a World Cup and at the expense of such a historic footballer nation uh, such as France, and it's it's just so blatant. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's one of the first decisions that really got the ball rolling with discussions of uh, video technology because mm-hmm. it denied an entire nation of getting to, to get into a World Cup and. I remember just really remembering the injustice of all that and um, how disappointed you must have been as an Irish fan. And then there was also um, the season before last where three Kilmarnock players were sent off in the same game despite <laughs> maybe one of them being a bit of a sending off, but the rest of them... What was not. that again? <laughs> Remind me of against, that. It was against Aberdeen at Rugby Park. I was at the game and it was a really important game because we were both going for, for third. And Stephen McLean's the manager, and Stephen McLean, uh, sorry, the referee, and he uh, quite often gets, his dad um, is the second most appearance holders for Kilmarnock, um, right. so he sometimes gets accused of being harsh on Kilmarnock to try and dispel any... Uh, Nepotism. Any favouritism, like exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Kurt Broadfoot goes a, a bit flying in, but it's, de- it's a yellow at most, it wasn't a red, mm-hmm. and then Stuart Finley gets two yellows, First one was dodgy, second one, when you're on a booking, you should have done it, so fine. His need, I think, mm-hmm. he's hauled he's to the ground and just tries to step away from whatever Aberdeen player, and he gets, Stephen McLean thinks he's stamped on the Aberdeen player, so he sends him off. So, Kelly lost that game 1 0, but I remember the atmosphere at Rugby Park being amazing just because everyone was so raging yeah. and getting behind the team because it was, we're down to eight men, but uh, we're still. Almost nicked it at the end. So and the fact the fact um, he held on the way he made no, to a one 0 a one 0 loss. That's not that bad. Pretty impressive. And who finished third in the end? That'd be Kamarnik. So <laughs> all, all worked out. You just just like to drop that in again, Sean. Absolutely, that, that's fine. Any chance, yeah. <laughs> well, I love you, uh, Cameron. How about you? 
Uh, I'm thinking maybe. Do you remember? This was a while. I think it was for Euro 2008, but Scotland were cheated out of qualification by Italy. I don't know if you remember that. It was uh, Alan Hutton had the ball in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, like sorry, ninetieth minute is bang on ninetieth minute. Like don't think it's gonna be any added time sort of thing. And an Italian striker just comes in and elbows Hutton, sends him to the ground. Italy get the free kick. The score is one one. I think. Pin, can't remember who scored. Maybe a full back. Um, can't remember who scored. But I think it was Pirlo that whipped in the free kick, mm-hmm. and Italy scored ninety first minute to beat Scotland two one and knock us out of qualification. And that's why we never made the Euros. And it was really why. controversial at the time. Uh, look up us if you can't remember it. Do look it up because um, it is. I, I feel like being I, a kid this is just furious. I really don't know, but I feel like there's something else happened that game that went Scotland's way because I remember reading about it recently, and I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm providing yeah, no, but, but is there something Scotland, wrong with our goal? Sean, we're, we're allowed to cheat, mate. No, exactly. That's what I agree. Against, against <laughs> How else are we supposed to qualify? Exactly. <laughs> no, I do agree with that. <laughs> the biggest that. controversy is the fact we actually scored against Italy, not yeah, the fact that they, they got the win. <laughs> And, and it wasn't an own goal, just to just to double check. He's just double checking that the fact that it wasn't an own goal, just to give oh, us yeah, some sense of that. pride. And I remember about nine-year-old me being absolutely furious, and probably why I didn't like Italy for the next few years. I remember Euro twenty twelve when they made the final. I was I was so happy they got spanked for now. I was so happy. So <laughs> that, was a, that was a brilliant game, yeah, actually. There's a reason I hate Italy, and I think that was it. So that's mine. That's me. So we've got a complete vendetta instilled in Cameron against against <laughs> I, Italy for the rest absolutely. of his adult life because of absolutely. that one game. I think Italy hates you after you described your dinner on Thursday as mincing pasta. <laughs> 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 so I don't think they're pasta. <laughs> he couldn't have spun it for bolognese or some kind. He just went mince and pasta. Mince and pasta. I can't even throw it off for my dinner. That was probably wrong. Right, you redeem, redeem yourself. Redeem yourself. What did you have last night? You've got no clue. Oh my god! <laughs> you, came, you came in from work. You had work yesterday. You came in from work. work. Did you have? Uh, yeah. I'm trying to paint a picture for you. I don't know if it's helping. I might actually go ask one. Oh my god! <laughs> I actually want to tell you. Um, <laughs> what? Did I, I love that. I cannot remember. You I cannot remember. I that, that's horrific. You can't ask me these questions. You can't even remember what you had for your dinner last night, but you what? can remember Alan Hutton getting elbowed in the, in the head. <laughs> 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 over 10 years ago that's ridiculous but I can't even mind who scored for the free kick so you know well swings and roundabouts isn't it it's your old age Alice I can't remember it is it's old age <laughs> it is, it is. What, what did you get 22 yeah <laughs> ancient old age I. it's all downhill for the <laughs> <laughs> you won't be laughing you're 22 that's all I'm going to say I've, I've got you less than a year to go so mm. yeah, enjoy come. it while I can uh, for me, I think one of the one of the biggest controversies uh, involves West Ham, and there's I, I could easily go and just say the fact that they brought back David Moyes is controversial in itself, but uh, it was the transfer of Carlos Tevez back in uh, two thousand and seven, I want to say, and it broke our uh, third party ownership rules to bring him uh, to at that point uh, the uh, bowling ground, and his goals kept West Ham up on the last day of the season at the expense of Sheffield United who were clamouring for a point deduction uh, because they broke uh, such rules. And surprisingly enough, nothing ever came of it. Sheffield United just consigned themselves to the fact that they would uh, be spending time in the Championship for at least that season and then wouldn't return until last season. So they, they finished above West Ham last season, so I suppose they got some, some sort of revenge in a way. It seems fitting that would be Carlos Tevez. If you think that a, a, an illegal transfer could involve any player, it probably would be Carlos Tevez. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and I've just thought of another controversy that's a very pleasing one this time. Uh, that Frank Lampard goal in the 2010 World Cup yeah. across oh, yeah. Germany that didn't count. Yeah. That's one that will stay in my heart forever. Just, just for, for what reason? Just uh, felt incredibly sorry for the man or just because it was yeah, funny? Yeah, just I felt really sorry for Frank Lampard. I just think he's such a likeable guy and I just thought that... Likeable guy, not a likeable manager, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Based on current tactics, anyway. <laughs> uh, we'll move on and we will start up here in Scotland as we always do. And I don't know, for me, this kind of seemed to be the weekend that the two old firm clubs kind of really seemed to pull away from the rest of the pack to officially begin their two-horse race for this Premiership title. Uh, we'll start with League Leaders Rangers, who overcame their slight stumble at Easter Road last weekend with a thumping 5-1 win at Far Park against Motherwell. Sean, what do we make of this game? I mean, were Motherwell completely off the pace or were Rangers just too much to handle? Yeah, Rangers were too much to handle. Really good performance from them. Couple of dodgy penalty decisions. Uh, I guess letter of the law now. I'm sure we'll get onto that a bit more later. But <laughs> um, letter of the law, those probably are penalties. But um, yeah, pretty harsh. Um, yeah, but Rangers look really good. I can't remember who got the second goal for Rangers, but we'll just uh, move on. Um, is that that, that, that no, ex Kilmarnock winger Jordan Jones? I believe that was Sean. I don't know whether I finish like that. I'm not sure that could have been Jordan Jones, but <laughs> <laughs> it is what it said on the screen. I'm not mm. sure. Um, I'd rather talk about Cedric Hitton's goal. I thought that was a, a lovely uh, strike on the half volley from from him for his first Rangers goal, and then he followed up with his second. But yeah, Rangers really good. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think Mullerwell were particularly bad. They should have the penalty as well. Foul on Alan Campbell early mm-hmm. in the first half um, could have changed the game. But yeah, Rangers look good after their. I don't think they were bad at Easter Road. I think Hibs no, matched, yeah. re- matched them really well. And um, like you said, I do think that this would be sort of the old firm kicking away. And I'm getting more and more excited for their clash in a few weeks. Uh, Cameron, uh, just with that Rangers result in mind and how Rangers played and put five past uh, Motherwell, do you think that them coming into every game now, they feel like they need to be able to put out this level of performance? I mean... Celtic, Celtic have got the game in hand over them. They're sitting behind, and any slip up for Rangers will be a a golden opportunity for Celtic to reclaim top spot. Uh, and considering what we've seen of Celtic, even at their worst, they still seem to grind out results. How important is it for Rangers to be able to keep this run going for as long as possible? It's huge. Yeah. Any slip up, Celtic go ahead, and it will just feel like business as usual. It'll feel like tens secured. Um, I think most importantly for Rangers, they need to keep the defensive side up. They've mm-hmm. been brilliant defensively. Also, slipped last week, and this week they were so unfortunate. That own goal, nothing Edmondson could do about that. I think it was, what, 8th, minute or something? Yeah, really I very on. little. Um, it, it's really a, a sucker punch for the goalkeeper not to keep a clean sheet. But um, if they just keep being so assured defensively, I, I think they'll be totally fine. Uh, the goals the goals will come. They don't need to score five every game. Two mm-hmm. goals will do. Um, it, breaking down some teams is really difficult, but it seems like this season they're they're doing that with ease. Um, they've done it at that game. Varies. I know they got two dubious penalty decisions, but even their yeah chance creation outside of that was really good. So if they keep this up, sorry, no, they need to keep this up. Is what mm-hmm. I mean to say, because any opportunity for Celtic to go ahead and pull away by maybe four six points, that's that's really dangerous and hard to come back from. Uh, hard to come back from indeed, as we've seen over the past few seasons. Uh, Stuart, we'll just take a look at Motherwell. I mean, this loss uh, saw them slip back down the table, sitting in ninth on goal difference, just a point between them and St Mirren at the bot- bottom of the pile. I mean, after last week, we really expected their season to kind of kick start with their uh, 3-0 win up at Pataudry. But was this just the wrong time for Rangers to visit and it's kind of provided Motherwell with a bit more of a stumbling block than they would have liked? 
Yeah, I, th I think it just goes to show how good Rangers are more to uh, anything to against Motherwell. I think you know any any time you meet the old firm this season, considering how close it's going to be, I just I wouldn't expect anything more than a draw to be honest. I, th I think Motherwell will kick on from this. I don't think it's gonna gonna hamper them too much. They've got Sean's Kilmarnock next, so they'll be hoping to bounce back with a result there. Well, it might might not be as easy as easy as you think. Just with Kilmarnock, we'll, 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 we I might we, that, we, no, we might touch way. on them in a in a wee while. I'll I'll, I'll leave uh, Sean in suspense about that, whether we mention them or not. I, I will touch. I don't. You might not, but I will. So don't, <laughs> don't worry about it. Sean, you've got your own show. Let me have this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll move on as we mentioned before discussing Rangers match against Motherwell they played away at Hibs last weekend Hibs themselves they travelled to their big brothers on the west coast uh, <laughs> making their way to Celtic Park and unfortunately suffered a 3-0 defeat at the hands of Celtic Cameron do you think that the Rangers result will have impacted on Celtic's performance at all perhaps kind of giving them that extra bit of motivation to go out and get the result kind of almost turning the question I just asked on its head and taking it from the Celtic point of view as well um, maybe no, I don't know. I think Celtic are so professional. They just they want results because they believe they're the best team in the country, which they are, and uh, they know they have to win every single game when possible. So, I don't think they'll watch what Rangers do very often when they play before them or anything. Um, I thought they went out, gave a good performance, and they would have done that regardless of the Rangers' result. Even if Rangers got beat by Motherwell, it would have been the same result. Uh, Struan, you were confident before this match, which is very unlike you. Uh, you tweeted out a prediction to our friends over at Extra Time, we've got them both here of course, uh, that saw Hibs winning 2-0. So what, ha what happened, what went wrong for your boys this weekend? I think I think I might jinx them by being a bit too optimistic. Huh? <laughs> so, so it's your fault. Take the blame on that. No, I, I just think Celtic are very good. I mean, when you when you watch the game over, the the whole Marciano kept tips from a complete embarrassment. I just think Celtic were so strong at times. Frimpong had a fantastic game. I, th I think the signing of Duffy has been incredible to Celtic. I think it's just completely helped their defence. Lennon seems to be sticking to the formation as well for now, which I think is smart as well. Mm -hmm. And I just think, you know, as Cameron said, Celtic are probably the best team in the league when they play their best. And unfortunately, Hibs met that. There were some, there were some bright sparks. I thought Nisbet looked good again, but it's just one of them where you know, on on the on their day, the old firm are just too good for them. Mm -hmm. I think I think what kind of struck me about how Celtic were playing was any time that I kind of flicked onto the game because I was kind of watching infrequently just with other stuff that I was doing. Nisbet seemed to be coming really, really deep to try and like generate an attacking move, and it just didn't really pan out the the right way. So. I mean, when you're up against that sort of defensive pressure as a striker, you're really, really going to struggle and it's going to take something special for you to be able to break it down. Uh, with every passing week, I feel like the stakes are getting continually raised ahead of this uh, October 17th, the first old firm of the season, of course. Uh, Sean, aside from their European fixtures, Celtic play away to St Johnston while Rangers host Ross County in their final match this weekend coming before they face each other. Are we seeing both teams coming into the match unbeaten with it all to play for? Yeah, I think so. Um, especially with that game in sight, knowing that they need to be... Uh, if if Celtic see Rangers would drop points um, before that game again, they'll know that they can go in for the kill and really sort of uh, put down a marker for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. um, so I do expect both of them to keep going. Something I wanted to touch on was the, the form of Albion Ayeti, which has just been mm. phenomenal since Absolutely. he's for Celtic. He's now top of the Premiership uh, scoring charts and... Um, that 
with five, and I think it's 48 minutes per goal he's averaging at the mm-hmm. moment, which is absolutely insane. And I think it's also a 63% shot conversion, so basically if he takes a shot, he's more likely to, to score it than miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, so a really impressive signing. Lee Griffiths was back on the bench for Celtic as well. So you just And you look at the, the options they have in midfield. Sorrow came off the bench, David Turnbull played a half yesterday and looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, it must be quite worrying for Rangers, because as much of their squad is, is very good as well, it feels like Celtic are really starting to ramp up the gears after a pretty slow start. And I think a big difference that could uh, really play into the old farm match is the fact that our Rangers are still going through that bit of an injury crisis at the moment, whereas Celtic mm-hmm. just don't really seem to be missing any key players. I mean, Edward is in and out of the side for seemingly no apparent reason at the moment, but uh, aside from him and his worries, he's kind, of, he's kind of almost been replaced at this point. I mean, Ayeti's getting the goals and they're being able to score from realistically anywhere in the park, which Rangers have been doing as well, but it's just that depth of... Sc- uh, quality in their squad that really kind of for, for me puts them just that step above Rangers at the moment I mean I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from Rangers because they've started the season fantastically yeah but I, I, I don't know we'll, we'll, we'll kind of have to it's just one of those we're just going to have to wait and see because uh, I'm, as I'm sure a few of our friends will be key to remind you I think it, the, la- the last uh, old firm was a Rangers victory after after Christmas or bef- yeah just after Christmas before yeah. New Year so They'll be quick to remind us of that, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, more than enough. That's more than enough of the old firm for one day. Um, let's move on. We'll have a look at the other end of the table quickly. Hamilton hosted Dundee United and fought back to earn themselves a point on Saturday afternoon. Sean, is Hakeem Adolphin the most clinical man in Scotland at the moment? I mean, apart from Ayeti, maybe, I think, I think <laughs> uh, he's not far off it. Uh, yeah, I don't think he'd scored a senior goal before joining Aki's this summer from, from Livingston where he wasn't really given too much of a chance, mm-hmm. and he's just been fantastic. So another set-piece goal for Aki's, I spoke about it last week, yeah. that um, all but one of their goals is, have come from set-pieces this season. But if it gets points on the board, it gets points on the board, and um, after the start that Dundee United had, had um, another goal for Lauren Shankland, he reckon that Brian Rice would have taken that um, that point, so... Yeah, it's impressive from Adolphin, we'll see if he can keep it up, or if it's just sort of a weird spell. Uh, Cameron, Sean mentioned him there, uh, Lauren Shankland, he put United 1-0 uh, up within four minutes, making it 2-2 two and two for uh, Dundee United's front man. Considering how United have started their season, is Mickey Mellon going to consider this two points dropped against Hamilton? Yeah, I think he did, didn't he? I didn't see his whole post-match interview, but it really seemed like he was sort of let down and uh, felt that they definitely should be walking away with three points. Um, at the end of the day, it was quite a 50-50 game from mm-hmm. what I saw, and... Um, you, you get an early goal, but you've got to get a second. You've got to kill the game, and that's what they didn't do. And Haki Madoffin, a fancy football hero of mine this season, <laughs> uh, made them pay. And yeah, yeah, they'll definitely feel three points dropped, a huge opportunity. But I said that I think I said that on extra time that I thought Hamilton would maybe win this one, and it just goes to show it's just, it's just Hamilton's nature. They're just there to sort of mess up, go against the grain, and that's exactly what they've done there. The classic coupon buster team, Hamilton, uh, just ruin everyone's fun for their (laughs) their own selfish gain. Uh, It was another big three points for Kilmarnock this weekend. They beat St Mirren away from home as their 1-0 victory moves the Ayrshire side up to fifth in the table on goal difference. Sean, it was only last week that we were discussing uh, Nicky Kabamba's wanting away form and he responds by scoring the only goal at St Mirren Park. Uh, firstly, we just want to say, Nicky, thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate yeah. it. We hope we hope you enjoy. Big Ho- fan. Hope you hope you enjoy the content. But uh, what did you make of it and Kelly's showing on Saturday as a whole? 
Yeah, I heard Kabamba was reluctant to pause the podcast to take that phone call from uh, the Democratic <laughs> Republic of Congo for his international <laughs> call-up. He was like, oh, I don't know what he did. And uh, fortunately for him, uh, he's now in the squad. There's three... Congolese players at Kilmarnock, which is just weird. Like, well, how have they ended up there? And they probably asked them. The who who are the other two? Uh, Malumbu and Shibola. Shibola, yeah. yeah all, all, uh, I think Malumbu will be in the squad because he's injured at the moment. But just weird that I mean, they're probably like, why, why are we in Kilmarnock? As, as most people who in, who are in Kilmarnock are. <laughs> That's um, a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kelly were um, were good in the first half on Saturday. Controlled the game. Had a few chances and um, a really good goal. Um, Chris Burke and Alan Powers interplay the mm-hmm. one two, and then Burke's released on the right hand side and plays a, a nice wee cross into Kabamba, who, as you said, got his first away goal. So um, good that that's off his back. I was worried that might become a bit of a thing in his head. And then the second half was really, really scrappy. It wasn't a good game at all. But um, yeah, Simon had more of the ball, but never looked like trouble in Kilmarnock. I don't mm-hmm. think they registered a shot on target. In the entire game, which is a similar story to it's to deja vu, isn't it? Yeah. His last week, yeah. So Kelly did a great chance of um, a great job of of keeping teams out and um, not conceded chances from open play. So long may it continue. I like how last week you said oh, Aki's had a depleted squad, so that's why Kelly won. And just there, you mentioned that they're only fifth on goal difference, but they are fifth, and I think that's the best that uh, Kelly can hope for this season, considering the. I, I didn't say only fifth, did I? No, just the fact that they were only there on goal difference. So oh no, well, I made the point. Difference. I made the point about Motherwell being ninth on goal difference as well. So it's keeping it's keeping consistency. At least you're being consistent. It's I consistency. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> consistently digging at Kilmarnock, Yes, um, but do I, you expect much else though? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah, but like I, I was saying there, um, I think we've said that before. The top four is going to be the top four this year. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't. There's much between. I think you can sort of. Uh, Chuck the rest of the teams in any order at the end of the season. So fifth is definitely the aim for for most clubs. Mm-hmm. And it's Kelly who are there just now. And ho- I, 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 I don't know if I want them to stay there. Uh, probably realistically, <laughs> I don't. But I, 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 I don't know. I, I, it, it's something I like. I like my friends being happy, but I like them being miserable in sport. Yeah, yeah. So, I saw that tweet, and I agree with that. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's, it's just one of them. It's like as much as much as, as much as I like you, Sean. Just I, I, I do relish any chance that. I have to mock you about Kilmarnock, but unfortunately, they're not providing me with much opportunity to do so now. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm that. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine you will be. Uh, Energy Sport also had a, a reporters at a couple of matches over the weekend, with match reports being available over on our website. E, website, sorry, ENRGSport.net. Uh, Graham Sinclair went over to uh, the Tony Macaroni to watch Livingston's 2-0 win over St Johnston, while Jamie McIntosh got himself back into Tynecastle uh, for the first time since February to watch Hearts pre-season friendly against Partick Thistle with the home side running out as 2-0 winners. Um, Why are Hearts still playing friendlies when everyone else has got league games? Cameron, can you, can, you, can you update us on that situation? Why is that? That, that sound right there is the sound of me not biting. That's what that is. So I'm just going to sit here. The, the, sound of, the sound of you biting is the sound of you not biting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had funny. to say something. <laughs> good audio, good podcast content. You just sat there silently. <laughs> the sponsored silence episode of the Football Roundup. It's not often you go on a half on a podcast, but this is it. I go on the half on a podcast all the time. Did you not hear me talk about Kepa <laughs> last week? all the time. <laughs> You said his Can't name. I said I said his name exactly. He's not he's not played in a week, so I can 
Uh, we'll be made... delighted this week. We'll be so glad. <laughs> <laughs> He's just fist bumped there, there. Because as we know, everyone that we talk about on the podcast listens to the podcast. That's Absolutely. just that's just the way it goes. I mean, it proved Ronaldo scoring the header. He's proven. Yep. He's proven Graham Sinclair wrong with that one there the other night. So we're massive. What can we say? <laughs> we're going to move our focus down south and look at the Premier League action from the weekend past with controversy rife in England in football as well as government uh, two games seem to really uh, cause a spike in negative reactions towards the revised handball rule and VAR the first of which involving Strew and Garvey's Man United as it always does uh, Brighton were hosting the Red Devils at the Amex and were the better team in what they thought would end a two-all draw after Solly March's 95th minute equaliser uh, and it did. It ended that way. Uh, the referee blew his whistle at two all for full time, but would receive word from the VR headquarters at Stotley Park that United were to be awarded a penalty as Neil Mopé, who scored, uh, opened the scoring with a penalty of his own in the first half, seemed to block Harry Maguire's header with his hand. And Bruno Fernandes scored the penalty in the hundredth minute of play uh, to win the match for United. Struan, what did you make of this, just in general? I mean, and the game as a whole. I mean, surely it would almost feel a bit of a of a hollow victory. I mean, I'd 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 be kidding if I didn't celebrate the win. <laughs> but it was possibly the 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 worst winning feeling I've ever had. It was it was, it was another dreadful performance for Man United. I think Brighton were so unlucky. To be honest, I think they've been the better team in all three of their Premier League games, and they've mm-hmm. only won one of them so far. I think I think it was just. And a great important made quite an interesting point at the end of the game that he said they thought they'd won with the last kick of the ball, which Solly March did score in the ninety fifth of five minutes added on, and then United got the corner and it it was a handball from Mope. I th- I don't know what he was thinking. To be fair, I think it is definitely mm-hmm. a penalty, but I don't, I don't understand why in an instance like that. You know, I, th- I think the ref is should blow the whistle if he thinks it's game over, but. And I had it's it's just mental. It's just you know the whistle had gone, and then everybody was complaining, and you're thinking, oh, what? They don't deserve a victory anyway. Don't give them a penalty. They got it. I thought one of the things I think was quite interesting is Bruno Fernandez. As soon as the players started to complain about a penalty, all he did was go over, pick up the ball, and he just stood on the penalty spot for the the three or four minutes throughout the whole controversy. I, I just think it's you know he's he's just composed to take it at the end. I think that's just mentality of it's my ball, it's my ball, and I'm taking it home unless yeah, if I don't <laughs> get to score, let me score it. But uh, on a whole, I, I just think Manchester United were awful. I really do. I think Rashford's goal was fantastic. Yeah, Again, uh-huh. it was just they just relied on individual brilliance to win a game. A lucky own goal from Lewis Dunk, and I think Trossard hit the frame of the the goal three times. Yeah, each one, Brighton hit it. the bar and two posts he hit, and six times in total, I believe it was as a team. I'd, just, just incredible. I really, I don't understand how they've not come away with that. To be honest, I think, I think United will get a real shock against Tottenham when it's it's Harry Kane taking those chances and it's Bergwijn and possibly Gareth Bale, Lassell. So I think, I just think United need to wake up really at the start of the season. And they've completely stolen three points at the end of the day there. Uh, Cameron Stroud mentioned him there. Uh, Leandro Trossard. I mean, we've been talking a lot in weeks past about Tariq Lanty. In, uh, in this Brighton team it's been some good Lamptey chat we've been having and uh, rightly so but how impressed were you with the likes of uh, Trossard and Stephen Alzati who you pointed out in our group chat uh, in this game particularly yeah well Alzati was a tough one because me and Sean talked about it on the chat like, Alzati he was playing a role that Potter told him to to basically just stop stop like foul to stop attacks and mm-hmm. everything but he, he was so frustrating like there was twice Brighton had free kicks and 
they were attacking and he'd give away silly fouls trying to stop Maguire. Maguire was just taking the foul. He was just basically, basically yeah, diving mm-hmm. um, and getting away with it. Because big, big 80 million pound centre back <laughs> diving. <laughs> yeah, but I was that he made it so easy for him. But um, yeah, sorry, to get back to it, Trossard was brilliant. For Soli March, he wasted one or two chances, but he should have walked away. He wrote the end. And I tell you, I love, I know everyone hates him, but I love Neil Malpai. Is that how you pronounce his name? Is it Mo- Mopay? Um, Mo- Mopay? Mopay, I think Mopay. it is. Mopay. I love him. Yeah. I think he it's good. Like, yeah, I like him. He's I like really the Morelos like figure the Premier League needs. The Premier League's so boring sometimes with some of the personalities in it. And he's just... He's doing a penenka nil nil against United. Crybaby silvers. Even though it backfired. He <laughs> the penalty. It's still box office. I love it. And, it I, I, and if you had the I end of the Arsenal game as well, too. saying that like the players but, need yeah, to learn yeah. humility with like Guendouzi. <laughs> oh, but the I stuff that came out about Guendouzi in that game was ridiculous. He's not played for Arsenal since that. No, no. I, I mean, if you if if you're mouthing off about the salary you make when the players you're speaking to actually make more than you a week, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, there's levels to this game, and Neil Mopay's at the top. Oh, it's absolutely, brilliant. absolutely love him. Uh, I get people hate him, but uh, window affiliation really to Brighton, I think he's I think he's amazing, and I want to see more of him. He's a good player too. Uh, he's not a bad player either. So I think he's a really good player. Yeah, yeah, he's I think brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He scored. Thirty odd goals for Brentford in the Championship, and then got that move to Brighton. Ten million pound move or something, eh? Yeah, and move, yeah. he's he's physical despite his size. He's quick. He's technically really good, and, and he's got a finish on him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and he's rent free in a lot of Arsenal fans' heads. And now yeah. I will um, always enjoy that. Add him to the list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting that because uh, so uh, sorry, Cameron. There, you kind of highlight the the Morelos figure, but Morelos. I feel is a lot more divisive in, in Scottish football than Moppy is in oh, English yeah, football. Yeah. I'm not saying he is as divisive as Morales, but it just seems like everyone dislikes Moppy. I'm glad you quite like him as well, but mm-hmm. you go on Twitter, oh my God, like he just gets he gets ripped apart by most teams' fans, bar Brighton. And I, I think that's amazing. There's no one like no one else like it in the Premier League just now. What there would should be, be a lot more of it. What would be weirder, Mopé with Morelos' haircut or Morelos with Mopé's haircut? Morelos with Mopé's haircut, because I think we're used to that abomination on his head yeah, at the sure. moment. I think any, half and half. any sensible haircut on that man is just going to look strange from now on. Yeah, he needs to keep that forever, even when he's like 80. <laughs> <laughs> Turning up like the birth of his, of his like grandkid at like 60 year old and he's still got the same haircut. It's like he's oh, he's half for a ball day and the clippers have run it halfway through <laughs> and he's just had to take it. What guy? Uh, uh, just looking at United just once bef- once before we move on, uh, Sean. How much do you think they're going to relish this opportunity that's that's realised that they've been gifted to them by the, uh, those big wigs at Stockley Park, especially in a weekend that saw Chelsea, Spurs, City, and Wolves drop points. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it ends up being a, a good win for. United um, still not convincing from them at all, uh, so I think they're still worrying. I, th- I find it worrying that that midfield uh, was outplayed by a double pivot of Adam Alana and Stephen Ozata, who we mentioned. I just think a midfield like that should be taking the game by the scruff of the neck and just outclassing their opposition. They are better players. Mm-hmm. Um, credit to Brighton, they played fantastically, but um, it's still disappointing from... Man United and it'll be interesting to see because they did this last season didn't they they underperformed at the start of the season and then went on a really good run um, so yet to see but all the top teams uh, Liverpool have only played what the, the one league game so far two league games mm-hmm. two, um, yeah. yeah two league games so um, not seen too much of them but the, everyone else looks pretty hit or miss it's a strange season as we've been alluding to so uh, 
Yeah, interesting to keep an eye on United and how they progress. I think on Man United's midfield, I'd, I'd personally, I think I would put a lot of that on Solskjaer at the moment, just because I think playing Pogba in a pivot is, is nearly a waste of him. I think if you're going to play mm-hmm. a pivot, you should play a much more defensive player, just because I think if you want to get the most out of Bruno and Pogba, you probably want to play in a 4-3-3, the same way that uh, Pep used to get De Bruyne and David Silva playing really well, and then just have either your Fernandinho or your Rodri just sitting. I just, I just don't think, and I don't think Pogba's fit at the moment as well, just watching him play, I just think... The whole setup's wrong. I don't think Bruno Fernandes either has been really up to scratch either. I think I think they need to have a serious change in that midfield. Pogba in the re- in, in the restart worked in a pivot though, didn't he? That was fine. Yeah, he worked quite well until about I think it was the Southampton game, mm. and then from there the whole the whole team just sort of fell away at times. I've heard uh, Bruno Fernandes hasn't been the same since uh, Jack Donnelly said he was overrated on the on the first extra time <laughs> in the new season. Well, I mean, I, 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 brought, I, brought him into my fa- I brought him into my fantasy team and he got me two points. So, I mean, that, that just pr- proves to be uh, a running theme with me this season. Which you should I'm not, listen to yourself. I, I, I should listen to myself more often. I, I, I speak a lot of nonsense, but sometimes I make the odd, <laughs> the odd uh, uh, pearl of sense, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. We'll take a look at the Spurs game. Uh, 70% possession, <sighs> leading the game from the 25th minute. Newcastle completely nullified an attack. And yet the points are shared after Eric Dyer concedes a, concedes a penalty, and, a, and I'm using air quotes there, uh, with Callum Wilson uh, converting his side's first shot on goal of the afternoon. Mourinho was so disgusted by the decision, he walked straight down the tunnel as soon as Wilson scored without giving anyone else the time of day. Cameron, an understandable reaction. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you've came to me, because right now on my TV I've got Sky Sports News on, and <laughs> it's got the poll that says, should Newcastle have had a penalty? And there's actually 22% of people have said yes. Almost a quarter of people think that's a penalty. A quarter that's of people New, that's Newcastle fans and Arsenal fans. Just Surely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just pole merchants. Like, that's ridiculous. Pole merchants? <laughs> pole merchants. I love that. Um, no, that's, that's ridiculous. It has to be just Newcastle fans because that is never a penalty. There's a few penalties this weekend that are never a penalty. But that mm. one, that was the worst. Even the one that was given after full time was more of a penalty. I'd rather that. Yeah, there was more cause rather... for like penalty <laughs> yeah. than that. Like even... That's just, it, there's nothing Eric Dyer can do. It's it's completely out of sight. It's headed on to him. His arm, I hate this idea of a natural position only being by your side. That's not, if you're jumping in the air, your arms, you can't just you're jump You're swinging your arms to get momentum to push <laughs> you off the ground. <laughs> yeah, like, you can just try to jump with your hands by your sides. Just jump like a pencil for God's <laughs> yeah. sake. It's honestly, it's so bizarre and I, I can't even be bothered. It's just, it's frustrating. It's really annoying. And um, this rule has to be changed mid-season. I don't even know if you can do that, but it has to be because we're yeah. going to see over about 200 penalties this year in the Premier League alone and we're going to see it in Scotland even though we don't have VAR. The referees, I, I don't I actually feel quite bad for the refs because they have to give it. If yeah. they don't give it, it's unfair to the teams that have been um, negatively affected by it. So... Yeah, I've said my piece. I think it's clear what I feel about it. Never a penalty. And then Newcastle have got very lucky, which even Steve Bruce admitted as well. I think he did. I think what was ridiculous was uh, a stat that I've seen. Uh, Duncan Alexander, uh, king of stats on Twitter, uh, he said that currently on track for 269 penalties in the Premier League this season, the current record stands at 112. After um, the three in the in the Leicester game, it's up to 289 we're on track for. Oh, brilliant. Oh, that, that's increased even more. Can I just say, <laughs> it would be amazing if like a player hits like 50 goals this season just because he gets so many penalties for a team. Like, just say Kane gets like, just has the best season of his life, gets like 30 goals. He could also have another like 15, 20 penalties. 
because they've been kicking I the ball at players' hands because if it happens to touch any part of their arm, it's automatically <laughs> a penalty. It's ridiculous. It's like they, it's like they get in the box, they don't even shoot at the goal. They just turn around and look for the nearest defender <laughs> and just volley it at their hand. You've got an open goal, but you may as well take your chances and just kick it at someone's hand. It's an absolute joke. Like, horrendous rule. It's, it's just, actually shocking. Like, it's what does What does natural silhouette even mean? Like, And yet... Wait, where was where was the call for it not to have been a goal in uh, for Chelsea's equaliser? It bounces clean off Havertz's arm before Mason Mount takes his shot that yeah. Tammy Abraham scores a rebound from. That's I think that really changed this season. They have changed it, but it's quite weird. So they've said that if it if the it touches the an attacking player's hand last season, that was just straight away um, ruled out. But if it does it this time, then if it doesn't lead directly to a goal, if there's enough play after, right. then the goal can stand. But it, pre- it pretty much falls it straight say. to. It doesn't say how long it has to be, does it? It's, 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 it's open for interpretation. So then yeah. that, that falls to Mount, who passes to Hudson Odoi. So it's one mm-hmm. pass in between or something like that. And right. So I. So if he passes to Hudson Odoi, Hudson Odoi. Right. Okay. So yeah. if the ball had fallen straight to Hudson Odoi from that handball, it would have been ruled out. But the fact that there's passage of play and mm-hmm. West Brom have another chance to defend it, then the goal stands and the new rules, which I think it's probably better than the old one, mm. but. Um, the whole handball rule in general, the other side of it, the Eric Dyer stuff is like I hate when people say the game's gone because of VAR and all that sort of stuff because it's just like VAR is fine if when implemented when used correctly properly, uh-huh. with yeah. decent rules, but when you write rules like that, like have, have these people <laughs> ever tried jumping before? Have they tried playing football before? Have they had tried header the ball before? Like they just I clearly have no idea. It's a, it, the VAR should be there to help the referees. The laws of the game should not be written for VAR. VAR should be the tool to help, not the tool that instructs and influences what the rules of football are. The rules of football were fine. Leave VAR just to help it out. It's a joke. It's going to ruin a lot of games this season. Mm-hmm. I don't care that there's more goals. I don't care that there's more drama. Um, it's just... Like, I didn't even enjoy that yesterday. I mean, I don't... I've not got a great fondness for Spurs, and um, I, I quite I quite like New, Newcastle, but it was just like, who deserves to lose a game like that? It's just horrendous. You know, as you say, it's not even like the ref or the VAR. It's it's the people right at the top making the rules who are mm. hiding behind them, basically. Yeah, literally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be the refs are going to get abuse from managers and players and all that sort of stuff. But what can you What can you do? I mean, we saw it after the game. I mean, the Spurs assistant manager he got himself sent off because he went straight to the referee. Yeah. Uh, he was trying to, he was trying to like uh, get Harry Kane away because I think Harry Kane was in danger of uh, uh, being cautioned himself, and then he just has a pop in, in passing, and he ends up getting sent off as well. It was it was a Steve Bruce interview. Do you guys see that? Even yeah. he just straight up admitted, like, yeah, that's killing the game. Like, I don't yeah. know if we got a point for that. We didn't. It was Carragher at the time, point. wasn't it? Like he yeah, on commentary, yeah, he was absolutely disgusted by it. It's disgraceful. Neville was doing the same the week before, and the similar one to Lindelof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, he, was, he was, was Doherty United. as well, wasn't it, the week before? Uh, yeah, yeah. Neville yeah. said it as well when he was talking about um, before the Man City game. If you're a defender, a fullback trying to defend a winger, what are you meant to do? Like literally have your hands behind you, but you need to be balanced, or a quick winger will just go right past you. That's a classic so, Ivanovic technique, just running with your hand behind your back. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all you saw from the last couple of years at Chelsea, honestly. Do you know the Phil Jones clip? And Yeri Mina actually copied it this week. When you're down on, you're literally on the floor and you're trying to head the ball. You throw yourself. You throw your that's, head. That's basically what defenders are going to have to do now, just to make sure it doesn't hit their arm. Everyone's going to have to run a bit like Joel Linton running into Hoiberg to try to tackle one another. I love you saying that's Yeri Mina co- copied it as if he's been studying Phil Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Premier League winning centre back. I'd copy him. 
How do I pull a face to make myself look like an absolute <laughs> creep? I mean, it's it, Premier League winning centre back. True, Jose Bazinga won a Champions League. Like you, can, you can't value a player's ability on their ability to win a. Like Anderson, first and foremost. I mean, four Premier Leagues in the Champions League. <laughs> that is potentially one of the greatest robberies of all time. Uh, oh, if I'm being honest, there we go. That there we go. Tie it back into the start. Uh, Stuart, we'll just take a look at Newcastle because we've given this side a lot of credit after their opening weekend victory against West Ham. And we've been quite critical as far as kind of dub our, si- our style of play. And the two seem to go against their opinions massively this weekend. I mean, what did you make of the game as a whole? From a Newcastle point of view, sorry. Uh, from either. From like kind of both sides of the coin because we've been praising Newcastle and been uh, negative against Spurs. But Spurs seem to have a lot more of the ball, a lot more chances than Newcastle did. I, th- I think in the first half, Spurs were absolutely incredible. I think they, they probably should have taken the chances. I, th- I think a lot of credit goes to Darla, though. He made about three saves from Harry Kane in the opening 20 minutes, which were incredible. Son hit the bar, I think, once in the, the post, twice as well, and then unfortunately got a hamstring injury. And then they, ju- they just sort of fell away at the second half, but I think that's been quite a common theme with the teams this season in the Premier League is just coming out of the second half, the fatigue sets in. It was quite obvious with Man City against Wolves. And it's just been seen throughout. As for Newcastle, I'm not really too sure. I think Jamal Lewis and St. Maximin have been massive losses, both defensively and offensively. I just don't think they carry the same threat. And as you said, their only shot on target that entire game was the penalty. It really was a smash and grab. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I have been quite impressed with Tottenham so far. I think Regulon will be a really exciting left back to come in as well. And I personally hope Gareth Bale is at least half the player that he was at Spurs, because I think that'll yeah. be a very entertaining front line to watch, even even under Jose Ball. Yeah, under that Jose Ball. Uh, Sean, do you reckon Newcastle might have possibly pulled the wool over their eyes in that opening weekend? I mean, they've only managed three shots on target in as many games. Granted, they've scored from all three shots on target. I mean, but when your team looks negative against a Mourinho team, surely there's something going wrong. Yeah, they've completely conned us all. I, I, like, I think I had them for most improved team. I'm just not uh, not buying it at all. Yeah, I just think that it's still lethargic. It's still uninspiring. It's still so dull to watch. And I just I know that Callum Wilson's a good player, but um, if you're not going to get the service to him, then it's just it's not going to work, is it? So no. um, I do think that Newcastle have, have played a fast one on us all with a good signings and. I don't think it's actually going to be as good a season as a lot of us expected at St James's Park. I'd like to see him turn it around because I, do, I don't so mind Newcastle. Even though the, my last experience with Newcastle in the flesh ended in agony for me. Neil <laughs> Warnock? Ended, ended, ended in me performing the Neil Warnock on the sidelines as Isaac Hayden scored the only goal in the 1-0 <laughs> against Chelsea at home. Anyway. Just say, sorry, just before we move on from Newcastle, see if I was a Newcastle fan in that situation... I would be giving it massive. Like you would just have to run with that. Like you would just have oh, to yeah. give it yeah. so big to anyone. Like imagine one of us are a Newcastle fan, you come to this podcast, you just be like, that is hilarious. I was there with a Newcastle <laughs> fan. That was that was the only reason I got tickets was because my mate Scott, he's a Newcastle fan and he his dad can get tickets quite easily. So anytime they're playing Chelsea at home, we end up like trying to find out a way to go down and we always go down with hope, and then I got to half time. I think that game's ended nil nil, but I was proven wrong. So, do, do you know the tackle that led to that free kick as well? I don't even think it's a free kick it's that not. the handball eventually comes from. Jonathan just runs into him, doesn't he? Like, falls yeah, he just kind of bumps yeah. into the. What, what was it? You, you body, compared his it to his body, body checking him. Or... 
What was it Sorry? you compared it to in the group in the group chat yesterday? John Cena. It was actually Graham who said it, but I had the exact same thought. It's the old shoulder tackle that John Cena used to do in the WWE. I'm just gonna watch it again because it is brilliant. <laughs> he passes the ball and then leaps. Like he literally leaves is. the ground. It's- it's one of them technically where oh, Doherty's maybe blocking him with a body check or whatever, but I just... Yeah, actually, I'd, be, I'd be just as annoyed with that as I am the handball. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think yeah. it's yeah. extremely controversial. He generally just yeah. dolphin dives into, into Hoybier. You know what probably the most disappointing thing was, though, is we didn't get a, a famous Jose quote from that. I thought that was... We were in line for another... Oh, no, we did. Speak. I think was... He, he said something along the lines of... Uh, Referee, referees don't give Spurs any advantages because they're a small team or something like that. Like he called his oh, own yeah. club small. <laughs> yeah, he actually had a go at um, Solskjaer as well at the end of the the Brighton game. They were talking about the goal size, and do you know how there's that photo of Jose Mourinho trying to touch the crossbar? Mm-hmm. And then is it too small? And then uh, I can't remember what exactly Solskjaer said, but he, he made a made like a funny joke about oh, the goals are maybe a bit too big for Jose's liking. And then Jose fired back before the game, talking about how he reckons that um, Solskjaer would rather just have the penalty box as like the entire box and stuff <laughs> like that. And it's like Solskjaer with a, like a nice wee funny comment, and Jose just fires back <laughs> like a dig. I love it. Classic, classic Josie that. Uh, we're going to keep on the theme of penalties this weekend as we wrap up our final game of our Premier League coverage. Uh, Manchester City conceded three penalties against Leicester as the Foxes ran out as 5-2 winners at the Etihad, handing City their first loss of the season in just their second game. A scoreline that seemed ludicrous but <laughs> to, to certain members of the Energy Sport team, Taylor Murray. Uh, Jamie Vardy's continued to excel at this level, scoring a hat check with a particularly smart finish for his second. Struan, what did you make of the game as a whole? Manchester City cannot defend. They they just can't defend. I, I don't think they've ever been able to. Even when they won the Premier League, they, the centre backs had made like in the in the table the least amount of tackles. It's just it's just horrific. I think I think City have been you know as you'd say found out last season that if you just sit back and absorb the pressure and catch them on the counter attack. They're useless. I mean, we saw it time and again. Wolves did it home and away from them. Solskjaer did it. Chelsea did it towards the end of the season. Arsenal did it towards the end of the season in the FA Cup. You know, they, they only really will ever concede three, four, five shots on target, but they just can't handle it. I think the whole setup, in a, in a way, I almost feel that Pep is trying to be too tactical sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the team selections are like, I, I don't understand why Fernandinho and Rodri need to play. I understand they've got injuries, and that's why there's no Jesus or Aguero up front. But I just think a lot of the games they've just they're just overthinking it, especially the Leon game last season. And I think Michael Richards was correct at the end, saying that you know Rodri's pass accuracy will be in the nineties, but how many of them are actually forward passes? You know how how often is he looking to break a line or anything? And the Manchester City defence, I mean, I think it's had more money spent on it than any other defence in world football. In fact, it's had more than certain countries have spent on their own defence. And I think the only good defender. The only two is purchased are Kyle Walker and Ayemarek Laporte. Mm-hmm. And then you, you just need to compare that to Liverpool's Jurgen Klopp, who has basically spent about 90 million and has one of the best defences in Europe through Van Dijk and that. And just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about Man City. I mean, they're, they're, so, they're so entertaining to watch. They're, they're absolutely fantastic. The free flowing football, the tiki taka is brilliant. But I think they've just been completely found out now. And to, to concede five goals, I mean, Rodri made a few comments at the end of the game as well, which didn't go too well for him. but I mean, you, you can't give away three penalties in a game of football as well. They just they just couldn't handle Jamie Vardy at times. And the, the Madison goal is, is a fantastic finish as well. Yeah. But it's just... They, they looked good going forward, Man City. But again, they just weren't taking the chances. I, I think they do lack having Sergio Aguero 
up front and even Gabriel Jesus as well in there. And <laughs> De Bruyne didn't exactly drop his, his, his classic. No, he didn't, no. Classic. The disaster class, you might say, that was. But I mean, they're, they're going to sign Ruben Diaz from Benfica for a reported like 65 million, but Otamendi's going the other way, which takes 15 million off the price tag. But again, I, I just don't know if that's going to change anything. I, no. I, I, I'll admit, I, I don't know much about Ruben Diaz other than he, he's Portuguese and he plays for Benfica, but. And he's a footballer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and he's a footballer. And he can confirm. But almost, I know, I know it's it's said as a joke, but in a way, ever since Arteta has left Manchester City, they've just not been the same. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if the defensive... Yeah. This, this, is, you, this is you just picking up Arsenal again. You've, you've been high on Arsenal for the majority of the... The, the pre-season and up until June. I think Arteta's done a great job, but I, I, I don't want to slag Man City off too much because it, it makes it sound like Leicester didn't do well. I think Leicester played really well. I think Rodgers has Came had a lot of criticism, uh-huh. especially at the end of last season, but I think they set up very well today. Eh, sorry, yesterday, sorry, it was they set up very yeah. well. And I think I think they just had the game plan. As, as I said, I think teams just know how to beat Man City. If you've got pace on the counter-attack, like they did in the form of Vardy, Harvey Barnes, later on, Nacho came on. I, I just don't think they can they can handle it. Mm. at all to be honest it's even players like Kyle Walker who is experienced you know he's done it all in the Premier League and he's still giving away those fouls he gets wrong-sided by Vardy and it, and it just gives it away you know you can maybe ex- uh, you know accept somebody like Eric Garcia you know a young 19 year old who I thought was actually their best defender from... G- gave away two penalties I think was it was it two or was it all three that Garcia I, th- I think away? he only gave away the second one and Mendy gave away the third and Kyle Walker gave away the first but I just don't think it was good for Man City. I think overall the defensive has been poor. Uh, Cameron, it seems almost it kind of does seem ludicrous to to suggest that Guardiola still needs to improve his defence after the many many millions that City have splashed on defenders over the years. But Stuart said it there, and Benfica have confirmed it that uh, the uh, Manchester club are going to be securing the services of Ruben Diaz for from Benfica for about sixty five million pounds. I mean, can you see why they'd be crying out for another centre-back after that performance? Yeah, definitely, but wow, how do they need to? Like, how do they sign these many players? Like, Strud said, only one or two of you actually do rate them as players. Um, yeah, they do need a win, though. Um, I know he's been capped quite a few times for Portugal. He's only, like, 22, 23, so I think that says a lot. He's playing already at such a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, he's clearly a, a great player. He'll definitely be... I think you think it'll be maybe him and Ake at the back. Do they still play free at the back? I, it'd, it'd be hard to get rid of Laporte like that, though. I, I think they'll move Ake to left back. If Laporte's you fit, you think he'll start, Sean? If Laporte's fit, he starts. He's the best. Yeah, he's the best one there. Yeah. He's right. the left sided one, isn't he? I don't know. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I'm assuming that Ruben Diaz is right footed, considering he's swapping with Otamendi. Mm. You think so? You yeah. wouldn't think they would sign another left sided centre half after bringing Ake in. So who do you think they I are? Scotland. <laughs> You've probably got to hope that uh, Diaz is quite quick, just because as as good as Laporte is, I don't really think he's that, like as we saw last season. He kind of got exposed on the counter attack quite often, as much of their defense did. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's either way they do need to get someone else in, but it'll be the same old story in a few years' time. Uh, him or Aki yeah. or something will be thrown out. They'll send another young hot starlet for centre back, and it won't work out again. It's like Strud said, Liverpool have managed to do it ninety million or something. A lot of that on just Van Dyke alone. Gomez, what cost next to nothing? They made a compensation fee. Trent Academy, Robertson, a couple like eight million. Maybe. Eight million. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous that saying spend this much money to get a defence that doesn't concede free valid penalties. It wasn't like their shouts mm-hmm. were the handballs. These were oh, they were all stolen off. Yeah, penalties. Yeah, yeah it's horrendous. Um, 
And it's not even like it was, like you said, maybe it was two from um, Dia, um, Garcia, sorry. It, it wasn't like just one player had a bad game. That's three separate defenders all giving away stupid penalties. And it needs to be fixed quicker. City won't challenge for the title again this season. I think what's quite crazy as well is at the end of last season, the consistent left-back towards the end was the right-back Cancelo and the consistent centre-back was the midfielder Fernandinho. And yet there's been over £200 million pumped into that defence and two of the players were playing out of position in it. Mm. Mm, really poor. Yeah. Very poor indeed. Uh, Sean, just wrapping up our Premier League coverage for this week. Uh, with this result, I think Liverpool are going to be rubbing their hands together at the prospect of already putting distance between themselves and City so early on into the season. And on the day of recording, are facing Arsenal at Anfield tonight. That being said, considering the passion for nonsense that this season seems to hold, could the game result in Liverpool dropping points uh, end up at their first loss at Anfield for about 27 years? Yeah, it could do, like you said, it's a, a really weird season. Uh, Liverpool are still favourites, I think they go into pretty much every game they play now as the favourites, but Arsenal have been impressive. Uh, but I still think, as much as Arsenal's defence has improved and the move to the back three has worked, um, I think that Liverpool's front three will be too much for the Arsenal defence and it looks like Kieran Tierney's probably going to miss out mm-hmm. and he's obviously been a fantastic player for Mikel Arteta's side so yeah Liverpool's still favourites but you never know you never know you never do know right we're going to close out our show with a look at the biggest European news including a quick preview of Celtic and Rangers Europa League qualifying matches on Thursday Firstly, we're going to have a look at the Bundesliga, where Schalke have finally parted company with manager David Wagner, formerly of Huddersfield. Cameron, surely we can't be shocked by this. I mean, the club had been on, club are still currently on, an 18-game winless run, stretching back to right since the restart. Yeah, that's sure. They were, the restart, they were terrible. Like, I I don't know, um, article for Energy Sport if ever like just profiling the teams and they were sitting in like fifth or sixth when mm-hmm. sixth I think it was. Yeah sixth, sixth yeah mm-hmm. but it was like they were like just points off like Champions League mm-hmm. and then they have just been awful. Like absolutely they were disgraceful. And then was it it was then they got beat opening day eight no wasn't it by Bayern. It was yeah. I get I get that can happen to probably most teams in the Bundesliga because Bayern are that good but it just had to happen to them. They were <laughs> awful, absolutely awful. They lost to Werder this week, is that right? Werder Bremen, yeah, I think. Two three. Out, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. uh, yeah, awful. Just Who aren't a great side either. <laughs> no, Werder, yeah. Werder barely stayed up. Exactly. Yeah, uh, they were lucky. Yeah, they're just absolutely terrible. Um, but I think maybe Werder's been lucky. There was two bigger stories in the Bundesliga this week. Results for the big teams. So it's maybe it's maybe been lost a little bit. Uh, maybe not as publicised as you think it would be because they. He really, he mm-hmm. will struggle to find another job in Germany, I think. Well, it's publicised here, so if, any, if anyone with exactly. a good footballing brain uh, knows their content, <laughs> they'll be able to pick it up from here at the Football Roundup. Uh, Cameron mentioned that there, the Bundesliga was full of shocks this weekend. To be honest, I actually had to call up uh, Struan to make sure he wasn't too upset <laughs> after Bayern Munich lost their first game since December 2019. That did really help me, by the way, James. I did, I did. No, I'm glad, I'm glad. Just always looking out for you, mate. Uh, they were picked apart by Hoffenheim in a 4-1 victory at the Pre-Zero Arena. Struan, I mean, considering how complimentary we've been of Bayern ever since football returned in the pandemic, how much of a shock was this result? I think it's pretty crazy. I mean, I'll maybe come out as a bit of a plastic fan here by saying I didn't actually watch the game, but... That's disgraceful. I, I know, I know. It's a joke. But, um... I think I think I mentioned it previously in the Premier League about how a lot of teams just seem to fall away. I, th- I think that's happened to Bayern Munich as well. They didn't really have much of a pre-season. They looked quite good in the Super Cup in midweek. I don't know if that's maybe tired them out. You know, Lewandowski was rested for Josh Cirksey. 
at the weekend here as well and maybe part of that playing into it you know they're just not quite up to scratch they've also got Dortmund coming up in the Super Cup this Wednesday I believe it is so they've maybe got one eye focused on that as well but I think Hoffenheim played really well they've won the first two games this season so yeah it's, it's maybe just one of them where you, you just kind of have to accept it it's a bit of a shame that the uh, the unbeaten run that Bayern have been on since December I think it started mm-hmm. has, has just come crashing down in, in this kind of fashion but I, th- I think those players won't really care, to be honest. They, they've, gone, they've won the Super Cup last week. They could potentially win the Super Cup this week. I think, in the grand scheme of things, this loss will just kind of be forgotten, swept under the carpet. I think it will have to. I think it's one of them that it's one of the biggest clubs in our world football that just quickly have to brush that aside and get back to the Bayern Munich where we all know and who's true in love. Uh, <laughs> Sean, we'll just take a quick look at La Liga before we preview Thursday's action. I mean, the biggest story in Spain, of course, was Luis Suarez's transfer from Barcelona to Atletico Madrid. Uh, the Uruguayan striker scoring twice on his debut in a 6-1 win over Granada. Uh, Lionel Messi bid farewell to his close friend on Instagram, claiming that he deserved to leave as being one of the most important players in Barca's history and not get kicked out in the way he did. But to be honest, nothing was surprising him at this point. Mm. Uh, what do you make of the move and the fallout as a whole? Um, Suarez to Atletico's box office. That's such an exciting transfer. Suarez, Costa, Simeone. Like, get fans in, in that stadium again. And I just think that it'll be such an amazing atmosphere uh, seeing those two. I think Diego Costa said it himself after the game that one of them bites and one of them kicks, so uh, should, <laughs> I should, love that. Should make for an interesting partnership, and then you've got the sort of uh, the guile of of Joao Felix with them as well, who uh, by all accounts had one of his best games in Atleti shirt on Saturday, um, I believe, and um, yeah, it's interesting for Messi that he'd make another dig. Uh, he's clearly not happy. He, mm-hmm. he, he might be if there's change in the hierarchy at Barca. Um, but it didn't seem to make too much a difference for, for Barcelona with their comfortable victory as well and um, I actually watched Real Madrid on Saturday night and if you're looking for more controversial handball decisions that's the game for you because um, oh really? yeah Betis' Emerson was, was pushed onto the ball handles, handles it as he's because he's pushed the force of it so close to the ball and he, uh, he's sent a second yellow set wow off. It's like and, that Lucas uh, one against Sheffield United last season for Spurs when he actually gets fouled oh, onto the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So um, and then that Sergio Ramos scores the scores the winner for for Madrid in that game. So, but that was a really good game of football. But yeah, an interesting uh, week in Liga and interesting to see how it progresses because Messi at Barcelona is such a story. Will will he be the same? Um, Atletico with their new strike force and uh, Real Madrid to see if they can repeat their title success. So mm. keep the eyes on Spain. Absolutely, and we will do. Uh, finally, we're just going to uh, take a quick look at Celtic and Rangers games in the Europa League qualifiers this coming Thursday. Uh, this is the last game separating the two clubs from the group stages, Celtic playing away in Bosnia to FK Sarajevo. I think I've said that right. Uh, well, Rangers are hosting Galatasaray at Ibrox, which in any other circumstance would oh. be an absolutely <laughs> brilliant... Uh, brilliant game to go to but can we just pause the pandemic for one game just, just let us have that game <laughs> just surely. give us one day off <laughs> just, just one day off forget Christmas just <laughs> let students go to eyebrows <laughs> for this game that's all we care about we can't go to pubs let's go to eyebrows <laughs> Uh, I'm sure we're gonna. I'm sure uh, extra time is gonna cover these games in greater depth on Thursday uh, when they record. But 
I just want to see how we see them going. Uh, Struan, how do we see it happen? How do we see it ending up on Thursday night? I think both Scottish teams will go through. Really? That's my prediction. Wow. It's, a, it's a risky one, but I think Rangers always do quite well in these in these European games early on. I don't think Galatas are quite what they used to be. In a sense, I'd almost think Rangers have a better chance of going through than Celtic. That's a big shot. That's big. Just, you always see, Celtic have bottled it in Europe quite a lot recently, as we, as we saw with the Champions League qualification as well. And, and I think on the flip side of the coin for Rangers, I think they always tend to do well in these European qualifiers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you've, you've got to be out there with a random shout, so that's mine. I, th- I think both will qualify. Both are going to qualify. Uh, we, we, do, we do like these bold shouts here, don't we? Yeah, wrong okay. show, but... Uh, nice idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean, how about yourself? Um, it's been a funny season for Celtic, hasn't it? They really mm. weren't good against uh, Riga in, in the week there. And it was a, a late goal from Mohamed El Yunusi that saw them through. So they'll need to be a lot better, I think, in this game. And like you said, Rangers, you never really know. They've pulled mm-hmm. off surprise results. They, were, uh, they beat Firenerd last year, beat Porto last year, so Braga as well, obviously. So there's no real um, reason to say that they couldn't do it. Obviously, Galatasaray, a big club with a big history. But I think Struan Drayton's saying that they're not quite got that same star power that no, they did yeah, they have done in previous years. So, um, yeah, I don't, maybe it's not too big a shout that both Scottish clubs could go through, and I, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so as well. Cameron, are you in the same mind? Um, yeah, I, I want to see that anyway. I, I'm fully expecting a Neil Lennon disaster class and a Stephen Gerrard <laughs> master class. But um, no, it'd be great to see both teams go for a Celtic really should be beating Sarajevo. And Rangers, why not? Like I'm sure you just touched it there. Like Why not? They've done it last yeah. year. They've done it the year before. They've beaten the big teams. They can, they can do it again. And um, I know home advantage isn't really a thing right now, but uh, yeah, it certainly it, it, it'll help them not having to travel to Turkey and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it'd be brilliant to see both teams in the group stages again. Absolutely, we'd love to. We'd love to see it. Absolutely. Sorry, Stuart, on you go. I was going to say I'm quite surprised we haven't really seen the Hadji narrative yet. Rangers playing Galatasaray. Of course, I was like his dad's team. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. For the end of his career, I thought there'd maybe be a bit made of that, but not seen anything. So yeah. Yeah, uh, well, ju- just uh, I'll give you a wee bit of information on Saray- Sarajevo uh, just before we wrap up. Uh, currently sitting uh, top of the Bosnian Premier League, uh, haven't lost a game in the in the league yet. Their, sc- their top scorer, six goals, is a man called Benjamin Tatar. So for for your for any players to watch, um, and I think I think he he he'll be he'll have a big uh, part to play if Celtic are to say Tata to the Europa League for this Ooh. for this season. Yeah, yeah. That was the only reason you've done that whole segment. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 look, I was looking it up last night and I was like, how can I fit this in? How, how, how can I try and be funny? Try being the optimal word there. I laughed, Jack. Thanks, maybe Cameron. That's, maybe that's a damning indictment, like, but... <laughs> uh, it absolutely is, because I did it and I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't and I'm funny. What a way to end the show with Sean, with Sean McGill's ego breaking through. Um, Honest as always. <laughs> that's all from us this week Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Football Roundup be sure to subscribe to Energy Sports Podcast feeds wherever you get yours and follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport to keep up to date with all of our sports content thank you very much to Struan, Sean and Cameron for joining me today be sure to check out Extra Time and the Fancy Ramble later in the week but until then I've been Jack Donnelly this has been the Football Roundup thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time